Welcome back to another episode of Life in Paradise podcast, where I am your host, Brandon Harper. Today is Saturday, March 12th, 2022. It's a glorious day here in South Texas with a high of about 65 degrees. So it's like a little bit too chilly to have all your doors and windows open, at least for me. You know, the old me before I lived in the tropics, I could do that. But when you live down there, your blood gets thinner. And that is not an exaggeration. Thanks for tuning in to the Life in Paradise podcast, the only show on the interwebs that has nothing to do with the title. I am fully aware that time is a limited product, so I appreciate you allocating your time to listen to this. Or as Bo Jiden would say, I appreciate you taking the time to listen. I appreciate you taking the time to listen. I'm just a regular dude with a regular job and tons and tons of opinions, so I come here about once every week or so to get them off my chest. I talk a lot about politics, a lot about economics, a lot about finance, some about dogs, some about beer, some about sailboats. A little of this, a little of that. It's a good old-fashioned variety show with lots of politics. I'm a firm believer of the idea that we can all have different opinions and still be friends, or at least be cordial. We have to learn to disagree without being disagreeable. Although I do poke fun at lots of people. But you didn't come here to hear me talk about poking fun of people. You came here to hear me poke fun of people. If there's one thing you'll know about me, it's that I don't do pre-recorded intros. So sit back, relax, and give me the kite string spool for about the next 30 to 45 minutes. Man, man, what a fitting song. What a fitting song for what we're facing right now. It is a crazy time to be alive. In all my life, in all my 43 years that I've been awoke and paying attention to things, I don't remember this many things happening at once. 2020 may have been the other year that came close, but man, it is getting crazy how much is just happening right in front of us. And if you remember back to when the whole Ukraine thing started, I kind of refuse to really say much or take a side. I, I, I give my opinions, but I'm not, I'm not quick to jump on teams. I just I think every situation should be dissected individually. There's no need to just rush in and pick a side and be on a team. Today, we're so driven to be on a team. We feel like we have to be someone's enemy. We have to be standing in solidarity for something every single time something comes up. Can we not just focus on our own bubble? I mean, all these people that are screaming for us to donate tax money to Ukraine, why don't you just take out your checkbook and write a dang check and send it to them and stop telling everyone else what to do? Does that mean that I think it's a terrible thing that people send money to Ukraine? No, of course not. But we're facing so many problems of our own right now. I don't understand the logic in telling someone that they should donate money to Ukraine because that's basically what giving tax dollars away is doing. It's saying that, oh, I, I should give and so you should give too. I'm willing to pay for high gas and so you should be willing to pay for high gas too. 
I got more to talk about this a little bit later. But first, I wanted to touch on Zelensky, the hero, the Ukrainian president who wears a cape and won't back down, and he's ready to take on the world. Except for a few exceptions. He doesn't have any money. He doesn't have any army. He doesn't have any right to be taken on Russia. Now, does that mean Russia should invade him? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying maybe you shouldn't be running your mouth if you can't back it up. And that's what he's been doing. I'm going to break down Zelensky a little bit for you. So he's not someone who rose up through the ranks of leadership, whether it be a lifetime politician, which I despise, or some form of leadership in a business role. He didn't do that. He's literally an actor. Now, does that mean he can't be a good leader? No, of course not. It just means that we can't really expect him to have the wherewithal to be in charge of this thing. And so I did a bunch of digging on King Zelensky, the super president who wears a cape that's gold and blue. And I know a lot of people have talked about, oh, he was a comedian. Oh, he's an, he was an actor. Yeah, that's true. But let me just explain to you how it, how it all went down. I know Ronald Reagan was an actor, too. and He was president. But there's a difference between Zelensky and Ronald Reagan, and that's that Ronald Reagan was governor for four years. And he also ran a legitimate election and won fair and square. Zelensky. Zelensky played the president on TV, on a TV show that was about the president. And the TV showed this character cleaning up corruption and single-handedly turning the country around. So the owner of the TV station that showed this show got sideways with the former president of Ukraine named Poroshenko. Poroshenko had initiated a strong movement to clean up corruption within the government. Remember, Ukraine is considered one of the most corrupt countries and governments in the world. I'm not making this up. So, does that mean that Russia should invade them? Nope. Just chill out. Just, I'm just showing you the other side of the coin. So you got Ukraine, who's the most corrupt government, or one of the most corrupt governments and countries on the planet. The way that they do things in Eastern Europe and Russia is all on, it's all on the table. They know there's corruption, and everyone's okay with it, and that's just the way it is. They don't try to hide it. Here in the U.S., they try to keep everything on the down low. They pretend like it's not happening. Over there, they, they lead with a power virtue. It's like whoever's toughest is in charge. It doesn't matter what they're doing wrong or what you know they're doing. Unless you're going to step up and stop them, they're the boss. And that's how they do things. And we don't operate by the same values as the people that live over there. They're iron-fisted. They're table bangers. They don't, they don't live to sit down and negotiate. If they have an issue, they duke it out. And that's just how they are. And that's another thing that I think that people forget is that fighting is part of their culture. Does that mean Russia should invade Ukraine? Nope, I'm not saying that. So let's go back to Zelensky. He played the president. He won the hearts of all the Ukrainian people as an actor. The, pre the owner of the TV station got sideways with Poroshenko. And I, I can't remember the guy's name, but you can look all this up. Don't, don't just take my word for it. Do your own research. So the, the owner of the TV station got sideways with Poroshenko because he's a corrupt guy. At least that was the assumption. And he was doing shady deals. So he got cut off from the tit. And then he said, you know what? I'm going to grab Zelensky and make him a candidate, and he's going to win this election. 
And that's exactly what he did. So not only did he get behind Zelensky and start funneling money to him, but they also shut down all the other TV stations who were airing political advertisements for the opponents. They also had the opponents put in jail. Okay? So these are not just, they're not running for student body president. They're playing for all the chips. And so it's not like Zelensky just walked into a fair and square election and won. The whole thing's been rigged. Does that mean Russia should invade? Nope, that's not what I'm saying. In fact, when Zelensky was interviewed, after he won, or right around the time that he won, I think when he first started running, it was kind of a joke. It was kind of a, let's just, let's just see what happens. Not too far off from what Trump did, if you ask me. I think when Trump first started, he had no idea he'd be able to win. So anyway, they interviewed Zelensky, and he said, he literally said, I'm going to act like the character that I play, because everyone wants to see him as the president. So he gets the role of president, and he's literally admits that he's acting. So do we know he's a good leader? We don't know. Maybe he's just a good actor. Is that good enough to get people to follow you? Who knows? But I don't think he's making the decisions. I mean, could you imagine being elected president? You've been an actor your whole life. You've been playing pretend. You know how to make people laugh. You know how to make people feel emotional. But you don't know how to negotiate with Russia. You don't know how to deal with NATO. You don't know any of that stuff. Does that mean Russia should invade Ukraine? You guessed it. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying there's always a second side to the coin. So... He admits that he wants to be the character. And then three years later, he's in a war. He's getting invaded by Putin. I can't imagine to be in that guy's shoes. Who knows? I don't think he ever thought this would happen. But here he is. So you've heard about the Donbass region, all these separatist regions. What these are, just little pockets of people who wanted to stay as part of Russia when the borders got moved around and the USSR fell apart. And so they've been saying the whole time, Hey, we want to be over with Russia. We're not Ukrainian people. We're Russians. Our culture is more like them. We speak more like them. Our values are more like them. Ukraine says, nope, you're staying here. So since 2014, no, since 2008, 14,000 people have died just between the battle of Ukraine and those two separatist regions. So the Ukrainian military is lobbing missiles over at them and randomly shooting people and attacking that region because they're trying to break away. And it's like, it's so ironic. Ukraine's like, nope, you can't break away. In fact, if you try to break away, we're just going to shoot at you. So 14,000 people have died between the fighting. 90% of those, I'm sorry, 80% of those were from the Donbass region. That means the Ukraine military has killed far more people than the Donbass region has killed the Ukrainians. And so Putin's been saying all along, stop messing with them, stop messing with them, stop me if you guys keep messing with them, I'm going to invade and I'm going to take I'm going to take them back. And they said, "Come on, bring it on. You're not going to do it. You won't do it." They're trying to call his bluff. So he invaded. He's been telling them for like 5 years, "If you keep messing with those people and you keep creeping NATO up on me, I'm going to invade this country." And then so he did exactly what he said he was going to do. And everyone's flipping out. <clears throat> Does that mean I think Russia should invade Ukraine? No, that's not what I'm saying. 
What I am saying is that countries have conflicts and they live by different values and different things are important to different countries. And just because the way that we resolve problems is peaceful and diplomatic doesn't mean all other countries are. So while it sucks to see Ukraine get invaded, they're not part of NATO. They're not part of this alliance that we all established and we said, hey, if you're part of this group, we're all in this together. If you're not part of this group, man, I'm sorry, but we have to draw the line somewhere. Because otherwise, what happens? Remember when the U.S. would get involved in everything that happened? And people would get so mad because they were the quote-unquote world's police. And now, people are screaming for them to go be the world's police. I mean, the idea that we might be willing to sacrifice time, safety, and money, it, it just it blows my mind. Because we don't, have, we don't have any money right now. The country's going broke. And it just doesn't make sense to me that we should spend any of our resources or take any risks on a situation that we don't have any control over. But you know what? If you go back and you start looking at some records, you start seeing why why are we so interested in protecting Ukraine? You know, the, the maternity ward hospital that got bombed and shelled and shot at, nobody died. Not one person died. They all knew it was coming. They all left. In fact, most of the building had been transformed into a Ukraine military base during COVID, it was empty. And so the military set up shop in there. It was just a free building. All the resources were there. So you know what? It's a state-controlled military. It's the Iron Fist. They said, you know what? We're just going to take this over and use this as a base for a while. That's why Putin bombed it. He wasn't going after pregnant women and babies. So, you know, it's like I say. There's always two sides to the story. And sometimes there's three. And I think it's such a waste of time for us to sit around and argue within our country amongst our own people while we're facing our own problems about how we must go help Ukraine or how we mustn't go help Ukraine. To me, in my little chicken shit world, and my little simple assumption, it seems like we really shouldn't get involved. But when you do some digging, you start figuring things out. And you see that Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden, John Kerry, Mitt Romney, among probably many others, have all had kids who served on the boards of businesses in Ukraine. So that is a place where the wealthy elite politicians wash money. And I feel like they know that. Putin knows that. Ukraine knows that. Everyone's using it to their advantage. Now, of this whole situation, what percent of it do I know? Zero. You know, I... I try to dig a little bit deeper than what the mainstream media says, especially when you have a divided media that are on the same team for a topic. It tells me that they're pushing the narrative one direction or the other. And if you think that the media wouldn't do that, and they're just, they just want to, they want to show the situation just to help the people, you're wrong. Because media companies exist for profit. They make money when they show war scenes because you can't peel away from it. Hell, I'll admit, when all this started, I'd wake up in the middle of the night and I'd check my phone to see if anything else got blown up or bombed or assaulted. Because it's interesting. It's things we don't see normally. And now we have this first-person first point of view live as things happen. You know, something blows up and you can see it within seconds. And that's captivating. And media knows that. They know that we cannot stop looking at it. So they just keep feeding it to us. 
So they're desperate for a war. Putin's doing exactly what he said he was going to do. And the media knows how to get the Americans on board. It's just a big cluster, you know what. And honestly, we have so many bigger fish to fry that it's not a big deal to me. I know, I know, it's, I know that people don't like that and they're going to think that I'm inconsiderate and not compassionate. And I have to be okay with that. But it's just my opinion. We don't know enough to fight. We don't know enough to argue. We should be able to develop our opinions, exchange them with people if we want or not, and then go on about our life. But the minute you try to guilt people into changing their Twitter profile to the stupid yellow and gold, or blue and gold heart, why? Why Why you feel the need to convince someone to support what you believe in? And that's really what strikes me as odd. We feel like that we have to convince people to see things the way that we see them. And I really don't. I think we can all have our own opinions. We don't need to pressure anyone to go to war or to not go to war. We're going to leave that up to the corrupt politicians that we select, that we put into place, which is something we need to do a better job of. Speaking of doing a terrible job, there was a guy in Florida named Martin Hyde. He was an old British chap, and he was running for Congress. Or, or senator, I think Congress. Congress. He wasn't much of a, wasn't much of a dude, but he got pulled over a couple weeks ago, and all the body cam footage is out there, and he was playing the whole, uh, do you know who I am? Cards. He called the supervisor, made the supervisor come, because he said that the girl who gave him the ticket was being rude. The entire thing was caught on body cam, and it's posted online. And it is so disgusting how this guy's like, he was just, he's being an arrogant asshole. She's asking for his insurance because I don't have it. She's like, okay, well then I'm going to have to give you a ticket. Oh, what, you, you are being so rude to me right now. She's like, sorry, sir. I'm just doing my job. And he goes off on her and she maintained her composure. And it just shows me these people are not humans. These people really do think they're better than us. They think that they're entitled to get away from a traffic ticket because of who they are or what they do for a living or who elected them. And that's disgusting to me. And this guy was a Republican. You know, I, I was watching the video and I was thinking Democrat, Democrat for sure. But you know what? It reminded me that they're all the same people. One of them have D after their name and the other one has R after their name. And the idea that we pick people, that we vote people to lead us who think that they're above getting a traffic ticket Wow, how did we get here? How did we get to selecting these people that feel like that they should not have to follow the same laws? Do you think that applies to only traffic violations? Do you think that if he got caught swindling money from some government program that he wasn't supposed to have access to and he got caught, do you think that he wouldn't think he's above the law? No, no. These people think they're above the law all the way to the top. We've got to get rid of them. We've got to get them out. Because they don't lead for the right reasons. They lead for the wrong reasons. And we're the byproduct. We get whatever's left. So go check him out. Martin Hyde, H-Y-D-E. I think he ended up canceling his, uh, his race, which is great. He got exposed. He dropped out. Hopefully he goes and works at a used car lot. But if you go to his website, I tried to go to his campaign website, and it takes me to whitehouse.gov which I thought was kind of funny because the White House is being occupied by Democrats and he was a Republican 
<laughs> and he redirected his website to the whitehouse.gov. Only in America. I kind of came to a realization lately that people who use lots of wordy statements are kind of griftery. They're kind of kind of scammy. I feel like smart people that know how to convey ideas and that are well thought through, they're not their goal, but they, they kind of tend to produce a thought or convey a thought with as few amount of words as possible. And what made me think about this was that there's a, um, there's a guy, you know, there's all these YouTube guys now and they, all they do is exist to sell you a program or to sell you a, a course, you know, and there's this guy named Alex Hormozzi. And when I first heard the guy, I heard him on a podcast and I thought, man, this guy's, he knows his stuff, dude. This would be a good mentor type, type person. And then I, I kept watching or listening to the podcast and I realized the guy just puts a bunch of words together and strings up long sentences that they're kind of unnecessary. And he kind of says the obvious things, you know, he'll say something like, well, hang on, I'm going to, let me just pull up one of his posts here. All right, I'm going to set the stage here. This guy kind of looks like a homeless person, except he's jacked. So somehow he has tons of time to spend in the gym, which according to him, he's worth like a couple hundred million dollars. The guy's never shown his portfolio. He's never exposed anything. In, in my opinion, if you're going to claim to be that much money and you're selling a product to people, you better show some receipts because I'm not going to believe you. So this guy's sitting on a couch. Looks like he's about a month past due from a haircut. He's got a wife beater on and a denim shirt. And listen, hey, I don't wear the nicest clothes, so I also don't say I'm worth $100 million and, and try to sell people on my course either. But either way, I feel like this guy is kind of just a show. It's just my opinion. You can respect him, and that's fine. I've never seen any good content that he's put up. It's all just motivational speak, and that's not, that's not for me. I realize there's guys out there that need to be motivated. They don't have confidence in their self. They don't know how to sell anything. That's fine. That's just not for me. But I think that this guy, what he's doing is promoting himself. And maybe he doesn't have any courses. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anything about the guy other than I know he's trying to make money. Somehow, whether it's through Instagram or through his social media branding, whatever it is, he's looking for money. He's not just doing this to help people. And so... I feel like he's kind of a grifter. I mean, he's a good-looking guy. If he says enough things in a short amount of time and ends it with an exclamation mark, it kind of makes sense. At least you think so. But in my opinion, he's just a, a motivational speaker. If you're a younger guy and you're trying to get respect from your peers, you're trying to move up in the workplace, I want to tell you the secret that took me way too long to understand. Effort is the universal currency of respect. It doesn't matter how lame you might be or how lame you might think you are, how not good you are at something. Every single person across cultures, across age groups, respects effort. All right. All that just to say, hey, give effort, you know? These, they just add a bunch of words. No matter who you are, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, no matter who you like to hang out with, no matter where you're from, no matter what you're going to do, you always have to work hard. Like, okay, we get it. Use fewer words. Use fewer words. That's just my opinion. You don't have to agree. Here's another one from the Money Master. 
The confidence that you have in any situation, whether it's a negotiation, dating, sales, is directly proportional to the amount of quality options you have at your disposal. And so that means is you win the negotiations, you win the circumstance by creating options for yourself before you enter the room. It's not about the tactics and the hooks and the whatever. It's realizing that you don't need this customer because you've got others. It's realizing that you don't need this girl because there are others out there. And it's realizing that you don't need this deal that you really want because there are other options that are just as good out there. And so you win the negotiations, you win the circumstances, by doing the work before you walk in the room. What does that even mean? You win the negotiation, you win the circumstances by doing the work before you walk in the room. This is so stupid. Why not teach people how to negotiate? Don't tell people that you don't, you need to realize you don't need them as a customer. That's terrible advice. If you don't need them as a customer, you shouldn't be there talking to them. If you don't need someone as a customer, why are you trying to get them? Why are you wasting your time trying to get them as a customer if you don't need them? You just want them? I mean, let's, let's listen to another one. G give me some more wisdom here, Alex. One rule my wife and I have above all lovers in terms of making decisions. We both come to an agreement or we don't move forward. And that goes for investments, it goes for business decisions, and it goes for social events. And it's honestly made us both a lot happier, and I think the quality of our decisions has benefited. Oh, great advice. Don't move forward until you and your partner agree on a decision. <gasps> I never would have known that. Thank goodness for Alex Hormozy. Smart people use fewer words. I just, I, that's how I feel. These grifters, and I'm going to show you some more grifters. Kamala Harris being one of them. She's a queen grifter. Think about people like Neil deGrasse Tyson. He doesn't speak a bunch of mumbo jumbo. When he talks about the cosmos, he crams so much thought into so few words that you have to go back and re-listen to it. You know who else was like this? Winston Churchill. He would he would just he was a wordsmith. And these people are brilliant. Martin Luther King, same type. Malcolm X. You know, when they speak, they convey tons of thoughts with few words. And this is why I feel like these people who just spew words, you can't trust them. Because they're just they're just like you are, but they have an agenda. So I don't know. I know some people like this guy, and that's okay. That's fine. I'm sure I like people that they don't like. This is just my take. I don't think this guy has good quality information. If you're going to sell yourself as a motivational speaker, sell yourself as a motivational speaker. But trying to pretend like you have all these secrets to marketing and, and knowing what to do and just... You don't need that customer. You don't need that girl. You don't need anything. You got. You just go in there and you, you put your big old pecker on a desk and you say, what's up? And then you get the money and you walk out. That's what I do. My name is Alex Ramosi and I just do things the way I want to do it. And if you give me some money, I'll teach you how to do it too. Speaking of grifters, it's about that time. It's time for some more Kamala Harris. And look, I know I bash on her. I know I beat her like a pinata and a dead horse and all of that. But I think... In today's world, we have the ability to expose people, and we should do it. I don't want to cancel her. I don't want to get her fired. I don't want to get her to lose all of her money and get her doxxed. I want us to understand who we're voting for. I want us to learn from this and make decisions moving forward that don't involve these kinds of people. And I'm not some genius. I can see what everyone else sees. I just feel like I spend more time on this particular topic so I have the ability to go a little bit deeper I don't have kids I ain't got a wife I have nothing 
So I spend my time absorbing information that's interesting to me. And I feel like I can provide value because lots of people out there can't do that. So I can gather all the value. I can make my observations and I can bring them and put them here. And if you hate them, that's great. If you love them, that's better. But what it boils down to is it's just my opinion. All right. We're going to kick this one off with... um, (laughs) They shipped her over to Poland. They said, oh, dear. So let me back up a little bit. What happened was... Poland agreed that they were going to give some jets to Ukraine. Then they were like, but if we give our jets, we don't no longer have jets and we will need jets. And Slurry Joe goes, we'll send the jets over there from the U.S. You can, we'll give Poland our jets and you can have jets. So they agreed on a Sunday that the U.S. had the green light, quote unquote, is what they said. And this was the Secretary of Defense. I can't think of his name right now, but he's a goober. And so, yep, we have the green light. Blinken. Tony Anthony Blinken, something like that. So we have the green light to send jets to Poland to back them up. Tuesday rolls around. Uh, Yeah, no, we decided that we're not going to do that anymore. So they said, oh, crap. We got to send Kamala to go to damage control. And then they made it clear that this was just a... This was just a, a, show, a showing of her to show their support for Poland because they first said they would give them some jets, and then they said, no, 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 no. we just kidding. We ain't giving you no jets. What I think really happened was, I think what happened is that Putin went to Poland and said, if you guys use those jets, we're coming for you, or we're going to do something dirty. And then Poland goes to the U.S. and said, hey, we're not going to give them jets but if you want to give them the Jets, go ahead. And the U.S. said, no, 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 no. We're not, we're not going to play that game. So that's what I think happened. But either way, it was a debacle. And so they sent Kamala Harris, of all people, to smooth it out. Okay, bear with me here. I'm going to listen in my ears to the translators and try to cut them all out of this whole deal. So just just bear with me. This, this might get a little bit tricky. So we've got an interviewer, and she's talking to Kamala and the Polish president. And I'm going to try to say what she says because it's the audio is terrible. So I'd like to ask my question to both Kamala and the president. In what way has this brutal attack on Russia against Ukraine impacted Polish-American relations? The Secretary of State on his last visit to Poland was saying that the Polish-American friendship has never been this strong in history as it is now. How does this translate to a permanent military presence of the United States in Poland? And just listen, just listen to how ridiculously silly and rambling her answer is. I mean, can you imagine if you were Polish and you were watching this person answer this question on TV and you hear the translation? I bet the translator is going, uh, I mean, if that's what you want me to say, I'll, I'll say it. But, you know, it doesn't, doesn't really make sense. Am I missing something? Is my translation off here? Because... What she said was just a whole lot of gobbledygook. It cannot be said too frequently or strongly enough. The relationship between the United States and Poland is a deep, enduring, and strong one. And dare I say, has become even stronger when we have been faced as a world with such adversity. I think we all know even in our personal lives. Adversity really, truly can present the real measure of an individual or a relationship. 
And what we have seen, without any doubt, is that this friendship and relationship between the United States and Poland is a strong one. So I left that silence there for a reason. I wanted to prove to you that that was the end of her statement. <laughs> she was literally asked, what are some shows or what is some, what is something that shows the strength of the relationship between the U S and Poland? What is this? What are some things that have shown it? How has this been proven? And in the future, are we going to stay friends? And <laughs> I'm going to play it again. This is classic. I'm going to play it one more time. You're going to have to listen to it. It cannot be said too frequently or strongly enough. The relationship between the United States and Poland is a deep, enduring, and strong one. And dare I say, has become even stronger when we have been faced as a world with such adversity. I think we all know even in our personal lives. Adversity really, truly can present the real measure of an individual or a relationship. And what we have seen, without any doubt, is that this friendship and relationship between the United States and Poland is a strong one. I'm sorry. I know, I know she's a black woman, and, and, and I get it. And it was super important that we elect someone who's a person of color. But you know what? This is the kind of things that happen when you select people for the wrong reasons. This woman is not a leader. She's only acquired power through a strong arm. She's a bully. She deserves no respect. I have absolutely no problem with putting women of color in the place of leadership. But they need to actually be leaders. I would like to add that the president of Poland went on to answer the question. His response was about five minutes long, so I'm not going to put it up. But he went through and specifically gave examples of how this all started at the end of World War II and what the U.S. has done to stand behind Poland and different points in history whereby the U.S. has leaned on Poland and the Poland has leaned on the U.S. And it's a two-way relationship. And he's appreciative of all the things the U.S. have done for him. I mean, could you be any more insulting by giving your response that she gave and then he go on to give like a real response that's thoughtful and th this is not the first time they've seen these questions. They knew what they were going to get asked. This is not a press conference. There's no surprises. Oh, my goodness. These people. And here's another one for you. Big KH laying it down. Now, this she called into a radio show. The radio show is an urban hip-hop show that's nationally syndicated. So the host, Charlemagne, asked her to explain it simply what's happening in Russia and Ukraine. Like, break it down for us. And she goes so far down that she sounds like she's talking to kindergartners. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. So, in my opinion, one of two things. She doesn't know enough to explain it in detail, broken down to, to an, another adult. So she breaks it so far down to... to explain it to a child or number two she thinks that the people listening are only intelligent enough to perceive things like children just listen break it down in layman's terms for people who don't understand what's going on and how can this directly affect the people of the united states so ukraine is a country in europe it exists 
next to another country called Russia. Russia is a bigger country. Russia is a powerful country. Russia decided to invade a smaller country called Ukraine. So basically, that's wrong. Basically, that's wrong. Basically. We don't, you guys are too stupid to understand all the details that we, as a people of powerful government leaders, have privy to, and you don't know. We, we could speak of these things, but we would use the types of words that you don't understand, and therefore you would just leave here confused. So I would just keep it simple for you, lemmings, and say, basically, that's bad. And if you don't know where Russia is, it's a country in Europe. If you don't know where Ukraine is, it's also a country in Europe. And they're like fighting over things. Oh my goodness. One more, one more, I promise. I promise just one one more comma clip. Then I got a Biden clip for later. But I got a comma clip. One more. So here she is speaking to some some group of engineers that work on electric vehicles, okay? These are not the guys that inflate the tires of the cars when they come off the assembly line. These aren't the guys that fix things when they're broken on a car. They're not mechanics. These are engineers. These guys are designing cars from scratch. They're pioneering the way of electric vehicles. They know more about electric vehicles than anybody. Okay? Now, just listen to her and the way she talks to them. Imagine a future. The freight trucks that deliver bread and milk to our grocery store shelves and the buses that take children to school and, and parents to work. Imagine all the heavy-duty vehicles that keep our supply lines strong and allow our economy to grow. Imagine that they produced zero emissions. Well, you all imagined it. That's why we're here today. Because we have the ability to see what can be unburdened by what has been, and then to make the possible actually happen. So today I am proud to announce that our administration is taking steps to build that better future by transforming our nation's fleet of buses and trucks. And that transformation will begin with public buses. This year, our Department of Transportation will make available nearly 1.5 billion, yes, Administrator Regan, with a B, <laughs> in grants to help cities and towns electrify their fleet of public buses, build infrastructure to support their fleet, and train workers to run it. These grants... Imagine living in a world where the freight trucks are electric and they bring your groceries. Um, um, what if, um, what if one day, um, the freight trucks were, um, electric and they brought our groceries? That's like exactly what a six-year-old would sound like. Um, imagine if, um, one day that, um, we can make all the buses electric. Maybe we should give money to the cities for, for they can have electric buses too. Okay, where's the electricity going to come from? Um, electric buses only use electricity and they have batteries right i understand but if we add tons and tons of buses will we have the charging capacity of the electric system to make sure that we can supply them with electricity we will deploy um the smartest people and and then the they will uh, use the electric buses and they'll train they'll train them too why couldn't she have said something like this 
I really appreciate everyone coming out today. We have tons to talk about. First off, I want to thank you guys and your vision for the Electrified Vehicle Society that we're looking at. You know, one day, all of our buses, our 18-wheelers, our heavy load trucks, they'll all be electric-powered. And the reason for that is because of you guys. You guys with brilliant minds and bright futures have put this plan together. I cannot thank you enough. One day, we're going to have electric buses that run the whole cities. We won't even have any type of internal combustion. And we'll put all the oil companies out of business, and we're all invested in these green companies, so we're going to get rich. Did I mention we bought a bunch of call options last month? Oh, yeah, well, that's beside the point. Anyway, see, you see how it could have been? I know nothing of the people. I know nothing of what she was talking about. But I could tell that she doesn't either. And she doesn't know how to cover it up. Oh, man, it seems so clear to me. I hope it seems clear to you, too. And I hope it seems clear when you go vote. Currently, there's tons of criticism. There's people on Fox News and and these right-wing media conglomerates that are saying, the left is trying to end fossil fuel. They're literally using every opportunity, every crisis, everything that they can use because they want to end an industry. And the, the CNN and the, and the left-leaning media is going, that's not true. We, that we're not trying to end it. We just want to transition. We want to make a cleaner earth for our children. Think about how many times that we talk about ending the United States Postal Service. And they say, we can't do that. We have too many jobs. People are just lose their jobs. And they're over here talking about wanting to end the oil industry. And there's someone out there going, no, Brandon, they don't want to end the oil industry. They just want clean energy. And that means the oil industry will have to end on its own anyway. Well, that's not what Slurry Joe says. Of course, if you asked him, he probably wouldn't even remember saying this. Here's Bo Jiden himself professing to end fossil fuels. Um, but, but kiddo, I want you to just take a look, okay? You don't have to agree, but I want you to look in my eyes. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, we're going to end fossil fuel, and I am not going to cooperate. Now, I want you to imagine being a little farmer in, I don't know, Cambodia, Laos. In your whole life, you farmed, your dad farmed, your grandfather farmed, and you sell rice, and you process the rice, and you take the rice to the market. When your grandfather started, he had a cart that he had to push, and he pushed his rice to the market. And then by the end of his life, he had gotten an oxen. And so throughout your father's life, the oxen pulled the cart, to the market and then right at the end of the father's life when you were taking over the farm you guys got a gas-powered little buggy that you could take your rice to the farm with a gas-powered buggy and it didn't take any energy from the oxen you didn't have to worry about the oxen having a busted foot you didn't have to push the cart yourself so now three generations and you've got a little motorized buggy to get your rice to the market and your quality of life's gotten better with each generation and you got some freaking bozo, some idiot who's grown up rich every single day of his life telling you that we need to end that. We need to end fossil fuels, end internal combustion, go buy electric, right? You're telling some farmer who, does, who eats meat once or twice a week to get rid of his internal combustion engine? Or, or are you just telling the rich people, do only certain people have to fix the environment? 
or, or are we all in this together? Or do we expect the rice farmer to give up his, his motorized buggy so that he can help the environment? These people don't think. They don't think. They're motivated for certain sectors of business to do certain things so that they can be wealthy. And the longer they stay in office, the longer they can control the way things go, the wealthier they can get. This is not a secret. Now, that little farmer story, it was just one little guy in one little country. The same thing holds true to the guy that has the tractor that used to plow his field with oxen. Now he's got a diesel-powered tractor. And he can get his plowing done in one-third the amount of time. The rest of the time he can spend hanging out with his kids or pursuing more business or trying to make more money. But no, we're concerned about the environment and ending fossil fuels. Do these people really think that you can replace the internal combustion engine in a matter of one or two or four or ten years? No. What's going to have to happen is that it's got to be cheaper to go electric. It has to be cheaper. The government cannot afford to subsidize that on a global scale. I don't know, I don't know what these people think, but I know they think that we're all stupid. And most of them are just as dumb as we are. Most of them are just as dumb as they think we are. How about that? The government should fear the people. The people should not fear the government. The minute the people fear the government, it's all over. I want to share with you an idea that I had last week going, going back to electric cars. Now listen, I'm, I'm all for technology. I am for technology paving the way. And whatever systems works best, whatever benefits the consumer the most, whatever operates the most efficiently is the route that we should go. Now, we should take environmental concerns into factor, but we shouldn't push them and we shouldn't subsidize them. That being said, what are some, what are some reasons why the government is so for electric vehicles? Is it just the environment Possibly, but probably not. Is it just because they're invested in these companies? Probably some of that. You know, what the way that it works is that the, the government subsidizes these companies that are green energy. And so they can't fail. They don't have to make profits because they're getting money pumped into them from the government. And so these people see this and they invest in it because they can't lose. The company will never go broke. So is that a motivator? Sure, probably so. What else could there be? What else could benefit a society? Imagine if the government had the ability to just push a button and not allow the cars to charge. Or have some kind of diverter switch that's required on every house and you have to divert between your car charging and the supplying of power to your home. Well, why would they want to do that? Well, think about COVID. Think about if the government could have pushed a button that disabled everyone's cars. Would they have done it? I don't know. In the future, I think they will. I think we're headed that direction. The government sees the people as a threat to themselves, at least the, the democratic side of the spectrum. They see the people as a threat to themselves. And since they're smarter and more able and more capable, they can do things to help us. And that might be something like shutting down the cars. Don't let them drive. COVID is running rampant. We cannot have this disease killing people. Shut their cars down. We'll sort it out. That doesn't seem too unrealistic, does it? Does it seem too unrealistic for, for the Republicans, as they say, to want to be able to track you where you go every minute to make sure that if you're on welfare that you're going to work so that they're not subsidizing you sitting at home? 
That doesn't seem too unrealistic. Each side always has an agenda. And each side thinks that they're going to do something that will benefit the rest of the people. And in reality, what they do hurts the consumers more than anything else. We don't need the government to protect us. We're able. We're able people. If, ro- if, if, if groups of just rogue gay members start roaming, sure would call the cops. But you know what else would do? At least around here, we'd gather up some weapons and we'd get with our neighbors and would say, hey, you watch that corner. I'm going to watch this corner. You watch over there. It just it blows my mind that, that we're getting away from this ability to manage ourselves. And the more power or the more structure that we give the government, the more they're going to take. That's just a fact. It's the way things go. What would it take for the people to pull the power back from the government? I don't know. I don't know, but I think we'll see one day. I probably won't be alive to see it, but I hope it happens. I hope the people take the power back and there's an uprising. I know it sounds crazy, but we have to stop them. We have to. Call me the right-wing conspiracy theorist. I don't care. That's fine. But they are super hungry for power, and we're not doing anything to keep them from just taking it little by little. Remember, in their mind, a big piece of it thinks that they're helping us. And why would anyone quit doing something if they think they're helping people? Why does Ted Cruz want to help Ukraine so bad? Why is he so hell-bent on going to war? The, you know, these people that, that talk about financial responsibility and, and not wasting the government's money are just chomping at the bit. Oh, Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham's ready to see people die. He's always ready. Lindsey Graham loves war, and he thinks we ought to assassinate Putin, and he thinks he's ready to just, just go to war, just kill them all. Every time any kind of conflict comes up, Lindsey Graham's over there in his cheerleader skirt with his pom-poms, just, just with his vampire fangs waiting to suck the blood out of somebody. It's comical. It really is. The guy must be invested in Raytheon, Boeing, and all the war stocks because anytime something happens, Lindsey Graham is ready to string them up. All right, I, I know I'm going long today, but that's okay. I'm going to keep on going longer. There's a lot happening, and I want to talk about it all. I want to talk about energy prices, oil prices. Right now, you're getting information from both sides. You're getting the Fox News who's saying, this is all Biden's fault. He's done this and he's done that. And you're getting CNN who's saying, it's the greedy oil companies. We should be more like Norway where they have a state-run oil company. And in reality, there's a lot that's contributed to it. I'm no oil man. I ain't no oil expert. But I've done some research over the last couple of weeks. And here's what I'm kind of coming up with is that it's a combination of, let's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back up, I'm going to go, uh, uh, what do they call it? Chronological, chronicologically. And so there was an oil boom right around 08, 09. It was once we figured out fracking and how to drill through shale. So these were oil reserves that were underground, these pockets of oil. And they produced a ton of oil right at the very beginning. But they fall off really quick. The way that oil wells work is that you strike oil, and if there's there's pressure normally under that, it's pushing out the oil, which is natural pressure, and it pushes the oil out, and that's like considered the flow rate, like how fast the oil's coming out of the ground. And it's not like the old days where oil's just spewing all over the ground. It's all controlled. There's no 
There's no leaking. It's all contained. So how fast does oil come out? And then how long does it stay at that flow rate are two things that determine the life cycle and the value of an oil well. And so whenever fracking was going nuts, oil prices were up. There was a huge supply for it. I'm sorry. There was a huge demand for it. There was also a huge supply. But what we failed to realize was how fast those wells were going to drop off. And so you had tons of money, tons of capital that flowed into this fracking industry because everyone was hitting oil. It was super fast. But then at the same time, we all kind of figured out, oh, no, these, these wells don't produce for very long. So the money runs out. So a ton of people lost a ton of money in the frack game because they were just they were seeing oil prices were going up, demand was going up, the supply was there, it was easy and quick to get to, but it didn't produce much oil. So a lot of people lost money. So that's one factor. So when that happens, everyone cashes in the, what little chips they have and they go home. There's a bunch of oil rigs that are just sitting around doing nothing. So there's one thing. People got scared when the when the fracking bubble popped. Keep in mind that when they were doing this, everyone went and pulled a bunch of permits. Okay, we're going to we're going to circle back to that here in a second. So moving along, oil prices went down. Saudi Arabia and Russia agreed to flood the market in order to push oil prices down to completely decimate our fracking industry. At first, Saudi Arabia didn't want to do it. I can't remember. Somebody was with it and someone wasn't, and they talked the other one into it. So that further suppressed prices. So now you don't have the people that are looking to invest in oil and gas because we can't produce it as cheap as those countries can. So they're better off investing in other sectors. Fast forward a couple of years. Now you've got a bunch of people that are saying, we should only invest in green energy. Oh, yeah? Why is that? Well... Mainly it's because they can't fail because they're subsidized by the government. Okay, okay. So yeah, let's go invest in green energy then. Yeah, let's do it in the, in the sake of saving the planet. Now you have more money that's flowing out of the, the pool to invest in the oil field. And it's investing in things like wind, solar, EVs, all the things that the government funnels money to to keep these industries going and to help them because they, they can't do it on their own. They wouldn't be efficient to do it on their own. So the government funnels money to them. Investors funnel money to them. That leaves the oil men sitting over there high and dry. We, we need money to drill. We need some investors. They don't have it. So that further hurts the oil industry. Then you have COVID, which is a huge was a huge fall in demand. It kind of sent everything into a spiral. Right around that time, Slyden Biden got elected. He said, listen, we're no longer drilling on any public land, okay? This is a huge deal. This causes problems, and it's going to be caught up in court for a long time. A lot of people don't realize how, how tricky it gets. Let's just say that I'm a rancher in West Texas, and I lease land from someone who owns land. And within that lease, it includes mineral rights, which means I have the rights to the minerals that are below the soil, you take the boundaries of the land and you draw lines, hypothetical lines downward all the way through the earth. And everything that's within there is yours. You have the rights to those minerals. But then the government says, well, you can no longer drill on those lands. Because a lot of people will rent land from the government in order to do the things they need to do. Raise cows, drill for oil, whatever. And the government says, no, 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 you can no longer drill. And these people said, wait a minute, 
the the amount that I agreed to lease that land from you included the right for me to drill for oil. Now you're telling me I can't drill for oil. So we're going to have to sort this out because I paid a premium so that I could look for oil. So that's just an example of, of, of one of the things that, that got messed up. So Biden did a few things to slow down the oil industry. He's not responsible for crushing it single-handedly. He wants to. We already heard that. He said that he wants to see it die. So he's doing everything he can, but so far he hasn't done everything that's been done, if that makes sense. Did I sound like Kamala Harris? I think you get the picture. So when you hear Biden say things like, well, we've got 9,000 permits for people who aren't drilling. Yeah, you know what? A lot of those permits were for people to drill on government land. Or they were permits for people to start fracking. Well, the fracking bubble busted. So they're no longer going to pursue that land that those permits are for because there's no money there. Or they can't drill there. So those permits are virtually worthless. Now, not all of them are. But these are all things that are contributing to our situation. Now, you add all this to the broken supply chains and the interruption with Russia and the Ukraine, and everyone's head's just spinning. They don't know what to do. They're not sure how we're going to deal with this. How much do we really get from Russia? There's lots of unanswered questions. And when there's lots of uncertainty and unanswered questions, the market pushes the price up because everyone thinks, oh my gosh, we need to buy oil. We need to get our oil right now. We don't know what price they're going to do. We need to run there and buy all we're going to need. And a lot of you may be thinking, well, who who needs to buy oil in the future? Well, think about all these companies and these big businesses that need fuel to operate. They need fuel for their trucks or their airplanes or whatever. And so what they can do is run out and buy what's called an options contract or a futures contract. And so that gives them the ability. So they buy the right to buy fuel at a future date for a locked-in price. I know that gets kind of tricky. Think about it like this. Let's just say you know you're going to need to buy 100,000 gallons of fuel next year. You can buy this magic ticket that will say, hey, you can buy 100,000 gallons of fuel for today's price, $5 per gallon. If you think prices are going to go up and you know that you're going to need fuel to operate, you can buy this ticket that will allow you to buy the fuel cheaper in the future. Now, the ticket costs you money. You have to pay what's called a premium for it. So it's kind of like an insurance play. And so you buy this futures contract and the price goes up. Well, now you lock it in. So you can you can purchase the fuel for what you for what it was a year ago. And in the future, the price has gone up. So you're coming out ahead. Now you no longer have to pass that expense on to your customers. And now I've forgotten <laughs> my train of thought because I got so wrapped up in explaining futures contracts. I guess my whole point is, most like everything else that the news covers, it's more complex than what they tell you. There's a lot of things that go into the oil prices right now. Most of it is uncertainty. Most of it is people just not knowing what in the hell is going to happen. And so because of that, they flip out and they start buying things, and that pushes the price up. Or sometimes they flip out and they start selling things, and that pushes the price down. What it all boils down to is uncertainty. It's not any one policy. The X, the what is it? The Keystone XL pipeline would have made moving the oil here cheaper. It might give us access to a little teeny tiny bit of oil, but probably not. It's just it just makes us get it a little bit easier, which would have an effect on the price, but not a huge effect. It just um, 
and and what's ironic is that instead of putting it in a big tube and sending it underground, we now have to put a little bit at a time on a truck or a train. And every time that little bit moves, we're just blasting more of the nasty stuff into the air, hurting the environment even more. And it, it blows my mind that the the greeny weenies don't see this and think, okay, you know what? Every now and then those pipelines leak, but it's far less likely than an oil tanker flipping over and leaking oil everywhere or spewing the nasty smoke into the air when it's delivering the fuel that's going to get burned. So another little bit of irony. It all just supports my theory that the people who argue for things don't really know what they're talking about. This is both sides, including me. You know, I have my opinions. I don't know anything compared to energy consultants or energy traders who make their money off buying and selling futures contracts. I mean, there's a lot that goes into this. And just to say, well, it's all Biden's fault, or it's all Trump's fault, or it's all someone's fault. It's not. It's a combination of everything. But the policies that people put into place do have an effect on us. We have to look ahead. We have to do a better job seeing the, the unintended consequences of bad policy. That's what we fail to do. I heard an interesting fact the other day that every time oil has spiked by 50% has caused a recession. But not every recession was preceded by the oil prices spiking 50%. But every single time oil prices have gone up by 50%, a recession has followed. Do I think we're headed for a recession? You know the answer to that. You know what's crazy? Is that I never thought... What, once we started having the internet and the internet started making things simple, I never thought, oh, you know what? Maybe one day our supply chains are going to break. You know, Maybe one day I'll order my groceries online... And I'm going to be told, oh, sorry, we're out of stock. Oh, sorry, we don't have that. Oh, sorry, yeah, supply chains. I haven't been able to buy Diet Dr. Pepper for the brewery in like two months. I mean, this is crazy. Nine out of ten times when I order groceries, something is trying to be substituted. Something is not available. Something is limited quantities. Something is rationed. And this is from us shutting things down there is no other explanation if we would have only quarantined the sick and pulled people out of the economy and society once they were sick this may or may not be happening but i i don't think it would be i don't think there was enough people who got sick enough to miss work to make this happen this was all the we can just shut down the economy and then start it back up you see, these people who are saying these things know nothing about supply chains. They don't know anything about the way things work. They just want to get reelected. And this is what we have to start seeing. We can't trust them. We can't rely on what they say because they're not knowledgeable. And they're too proud to go ask someone for help. You know, what? why isn't Biden getting any input from the oil companies? He should be begging them. Guys, come to the White House. Let's come up with a plan. I know you guys know some people who know some people. We got to buy mega oil. We got to get it right now. And we got to get it cheap and we got to get it done. But no, he's over there pushing green energy. He's over there wanting to send money to Ukraine when we got fuel that's five bucks a gallon. And they're telling us that we should just lay down and take it. Just lay down and spread your cheeks and do it for Ukraine. No, 
I don't live in Ukraine. I don't want to live in Ukraine. There's a reason why I live in the U.S. I've lived in third world countries before, and it's way better here. It is way better. How much longer will it be better? I don't know. But gee whiz, can we get to problem solving and get out of like, oh, look at me. Look at what I'm doing. Look at what we've done. I mean, the State of the Union address was a joke, an absolute joke. Y'all going to get my blood pressure high again. I'm going to have to take my blood medicine. One more thing about Sleepy Joe, then I'll move on. So as he was elected, he shut down the Keystone XL pipeline. I've already talked about it. Not a huge deal. Absolutely no reason to shut it down, though. I don't understand why he did it. I don't. I really don't think it was from green energy. I just, I don't know why. I would love to ask him, Joe, why did you shut down the Keystone Pipeline? And him have to tell the truth. I would like to have some sort of device that ensured he would not lie. And I would ask him, why did you shut down the XL Pipeline? He would probably go, oh, what's the, what, the pipeline? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. And I think that would probably be the truth. So Biden gets elected, shuts down the Keystone XL pipeline, says, sorry, Canada. We know we agreed to, to give you this pipeline so that we could buy your oil efficiently and you could get it to us quickly. We know we agreed to do that, but we know what? We're going to just stop that. We're not going to do it anymore. Maybe, maybe it's because Warren Buffett owns the railways and he kind of supports the Democrat. No, 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 no. Nothing like that. Either way, he did it. No one knows why. But what did he do? He let the, the Russians complete their pipeline to Germany. He said, well, we can't have the pipeline because it's hard on the environment. Or, or you know, maybe it's going to decimate the Indian sacred burial grounds. Yeah, we're going to let Putin do it. He, they're going to have the pipeline from Western Europe to Russia because, you know, they need it. They need it over there. What? I thought we were trying to protect the environment. I thought we were trying to keep the world safe from leaking pipelines. And you're going to go over there and tell them that you're going to give Russia a highway to sell his oil and his natural gas and shut down ours? I don't understand it. I don't get these people. There are motivations that happen that I don't understand. But I wish they were just a little bit more transparent about it. Because I can't figure it out. So now, Putin, he's he's run up the natural gas prices 15x. The price of natural gas in Western Europe and Eastern Europe that they're buying from Putin has gone up 15 times since last year. It was like $3 per metric, blah, blah, blah. And now it's like 50 or something. It's crazy. And so what happened was they negotiated a contract, Germany and Russia, I think the EU, I guess, actually. And so Putin said, I want the long-term contract. We will have to have long-term. And they said, no, we want short-term. And he goes, no, long-term. So the EU said, okay, fine. We're doing short-term contract, and we're not buying it all. And Putin said, okay, you can do short-term, but you will have to specify the quantity, and that is all you're going to get. So... They said, okay, short term it is. And so he agreed to allow them to buy it at spot price. So like it's like the, the daily price. You can buy it at the daily price, but I'm only supplying you this much. And if you run out, that's on you. 
And they said, okay. Well, they entirely underestimated how much they were going to need. And so Putin's just saying, look, dude, I told you guys I would commit you that amount. I've already sold the rest of it. You're going to have to figure it out. And and here they are, you know. And Biden could have stopped this whole thing by not allowing this pipeline to be done. But he allowed that one, but not the one in U.S. to Canada. Maybe I could get a, a, a transgender kids rights advocate to mansplain to me why Biden allowed the Nord Stream 2 pipeline and not the Keystone XL pipeline. That, that'd be a good question for someone that voted for him that also, you know, that cares about uh, transgender kids' rights. Okay, I'm going to lighten it up a little bit. I've been going hard and heavy. And man, you know what? I don't want to have a politics show. I really don't. But it's, I think about it a lot. And I feel like if it, if I wasn't slamming Bo Jiden and the kindergarten teacher for vice president, I, I would be talking about other things. But it is so crazy to me how these people act. You know, I don't think whenever Trump was in office and I was doing these, I didn't talk about politics as much. And I know that I can't change it. I know that I can only change the things in my bubble. But really what I want to do is provide an insight to you that sparks you to go do your own research. That's it. I know I said it. I'm going to keep saying it. Don't take my word for the gospel. I'm just a construction worker. Go do your own research. Okay, I promise you something light and funny. Well, I don't know. It may or may not be funny. But what's it's hilarious to me is that whenever these people decided it was going to be Team Ukraine, they went out. And I had to look this up to make sure because I'd heard about it that people were dumping out vodka in the, <laughs> in the sake of supporting Ukraine. So I'm going to set the stage for you, okay? I'm going to say there's this guy. He's probably like 45 or 50. And he comes home and his wife talks him into dumping out the vodka. He's got some stolies and he doesn't drink vodka much, but every now and then, you know, he likes a good vodka. Maybe, maybe a screwdriver, something, vodka and Diet Coke, whatever the kids are drinking these days. And so he comes home and his wife's like, we need to dump out the vodka. He's like, okay, why? She's like, because Ukraine, and we have to support Ukraine, and this is Russian vodka. And he's like, all right, sure, I guess, whatever. If we need to dump out the vodka to support Ukraine, we'll do it. I'm not going to fight about it. So she's like, go dump it out. He's like, okay. So he goes, and he dumps it out, and he's thinking, oh, well, whatever. If I'm just doing my part. you know, I'm just, I'm just helping. I, I want to show my support for Ukraine, and it's important to me too. So he dumps out all his vodka, not realizing that vodka's made in Latvia, never seen an inch of Russian soil, and he dumps it out. And he's like, okay, cool. I feel good about it. Team Ukraine, let's go. Let's do this. Not realizing that he's already paid for it. So not only, not only is he not going to make a change in anything, but he's also not going to have any vodka. I mean, what, what do you think? Putin's going to be like, oh, time out. Stop the tanks. They're dumping out their vodka. Guys, we got we to pull out. We got to pull out. He's dumping their vodka out. Even though he bought it in Latvia, it didn't come from us. But you know what? They're dumping the vodka. Turn around. Let's go home. This was a bad idea. No, of course not. No one gives a crap what you dump out. You've already bought it and paid for it. You're not making a statement. 
Burning books never changes a thing. Burning bras didn't do anything for anyone. Burning records doesn't matter. Nothing. Burning things do not matter. Doesn't change a thing. What was it? The Nike shoes when old old sideline king Colin Napanap or whatever his name was, everyone ran out and burned the Nike shoes. So I I picture this guy, you know, now or maybe six months down the road when he's like, oh, he gets up on a Saturday morning. And he's like, you know, I'm going to be productive today. But before I'm productive, I'm going to make me a little screwdriver. The wife's gone. The kids are gone. I'm going to have a little screwdriver. I'm going to get up. I'm going to watch the sports center. And I'm going to drink my screwdriver. 10.30 on a Saturday morning. So he gets up. He pours his orange juice. Plops some ice in there. He goes to the liquor cabinet. He opens it. Oh, no. <laughs> I dumped out my vodka. Dang it. And he's probably saying... Whatever happened with the Ukraine deal? I don't even know. We kind of just quit talking about it. <laughs> I hope you're happy, buddy. I hope you're happy with your support for the Ukraine. Did I mention that the Pentagon refused to deploy Navy SEALs that were <laughs> unvaccinated, that were unprophylacticalized? That the that oh you're yeah the Navy SEALs. Mm -hmm, yep, are they vaccinated? I, I, you know what? I don't know, but they're they're going to like do cur covert operations in the, the, the secrecy of night, and they're gonna go like slit the throat of people. Like, let's not really worry if they're vaccinated. We have to show people that we care, and just because you're a Navy SEAL doesn't mean you get to break the rules. The rules is everyone has to have the shot, uh, even though the shot doesn't do anything. The rules are that everyone has to have a shot. <laughs> we are literally making the Navy SEALs get shots to get deployed. You don't think China's laughing at that? You, you don't think that Russia's laughing that we're making our Navy SEALs get a stupid vaccine all in the name of show just to pretend like we care than the rest of the countries in the world? It's embarrassing, y'all. It's really embarrassing. There's there no COVID. COVID's gone. It's gone. Like the flu. It'll probably be back next year. We can do it all over again. Funny thing I heard on Ted Cruz's podcast the other day. He uh, he said that Nancy Pelosi put out a, a memo a week before the statement of the reunion address. And it was saying that everyone had to wear a mask and produce a negative test before they went to the statement of the reunion address in person. And so half of the Congress and senators said, yeah, then we're not coming. And they were like, oh, no. Then three days before the address, the CDC conveniently changed the recommendation. No, no, it's not, a recommend it's not a recommendation. It is a requirement now. They cha the CDC changed the mandates to say, well, most places don't have to wear masks anymore. And so Pelosi's memo just went by the wayside because the CDC overrode it. I think it would have been hilarious if people didn't show up. If they tried to say, well, you have to wear a mask to come in here. Uh, COVID rates are lower than they've been in like since it started. Well, we just want to keep everyone safe. Okay, then we're not coming. And then like half the seat's empty. This is the world we're living in. This is not about safety. It's about show. And, and I would like to find someone who disagrees with me. I really, really would. One of these days, I'm going to be a YouTuber, and I'm going to go on people's show, and they're going to confront me 
And I, I can't wait for that day. Speaking of can't wait, I wonder what the future will look like in terms of like race baiting or, or shaming the generations before you based on their decisions and how that fits into today's world. I was thinking the other day, I saw a restaurant and it said Mexican food. And I thought, man, I do love me some Mexican food. But I'd be willing to bet that one day in the not too far future, I'm, I don't know, I'm going to give it some time. I'm going to say maybe 40 years, 50 years from now, there's going to be a discussion that's going to go like this. In my day, we had restaurants and they were like run by Mexican people and they served like Mexican food. And we like literally called them Mexican restaurants. I know. Can you believe that? We should go tear down the statues of people who participated in this because segregating people by the type of food they eat is just entirely irresponsible and we should not stand for it. We should stand in solidarity against the people who support segregating groups by what they eat. It's coming. Something like that's going to happen. Because throughout history, there's always something we're doing that's wrong in the future. And to pretend like that's not happening today is pretty preposterous. It is very interesting to me, though. I wonder what else. I wonder what else that they're going to say. One more thing, and then I think I'm going to go. I think this is like a record. It's a record podcast. I know it's it's been a record record time because of all the audio clips. You people don't understand how much work it is. See, normally I would just hold my phone or my speaker up to the mic. But I'm moving on up in the world, and I've found a way to upload the audio into the computing and then play it that way. That way it's a better listening experience for you. So just know that I'm sacrificing more of my free time to provide you with value. The last thing that I want to touch on is there's sometimes things within a, a partisan split or within the two opposing teams, if you will, that are off, that they seem wrong to me. And one of those is abortion. And I think personally we spend way too much time fighting about abortion. Does that mean it's not important? No, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear the comments. I'm just saying we spend too much time talking about it. We only have so much time to argue about so many things. Since so few people really get abortions, we shouldn't spend time and energy talking about it. But what's odd to me is that the party of the left who claims to be caring and compassionate and the party of feelings is for an abortion and the Republicans who claim to be the, the party of responsibility and doing the hard thing even when it's right and they're, you know, they lack compassion, they go hunting, they kill animals, they eat meat, they're barbaric conspiracy theorists, so, and they're against it. And I'm not saying one or the other should or shouldn't be anything. I'm just noticing a, an anomaly is that even the right word? Anomaly? Ano anomaly? An anomaly. I'm noticing a difference between the two teams that probably if we could rewind time and flip-flop and make the right say that they're for abortion because, you know, it keeps kids off the street, kids that would have been raised in bad homes, it keeps them from, from wrecking our economy and doing crime. Now, I'm just I'm, I'm pretending. I'm not, 
I'm just saying that that's something that they could say. All right. And then the left would say, we're not going to rip babies out of people. Okay. Like we're going to do lots of things. We can eat the cows. We can eat the chickens. We can grow the animals to eat them, but we're not going to rip babies out of a human. That is a living, breathing organism inside my body. And it should be illegal to just rip it out and kill it. See the party who wants rules and regulations and, and restrictions goes against something that a, a restriction that protects an unborn baby. And that to me is intellectually inconsistent. Maybe it's not to you. Maybe, maybe it, it falls in line, but the left, they want structure. They want people to make decisions. They want rules to follow because they think that most people aren't capable of living good lives unless they have structure and rules. And the right wants freedom to do what, what they think is best for them and their body and themselves and their opinions and their religion. I don't know. Just just a strange thought that I've, I've had floating around for a while. I'd like to hear your take on it. Wowzers. One hour, 22 minutes on the clock. That's That's just the time that it's been recording. That's not the time that I've been sitting here with my giant fat fingers trying to click around and get audio clips uploaded. I think I'm going to sign off now. I leave you with the longest podcast in Life in Paradise podcast history. I've got to get going, and I've got some Russian vodka to go dump out. It's a beautiful day outside. I might take some photos with my new camera. I might go to the brewery for a little bit. I might wash my car. I might take a nap. I don't know. I don't know, but I do appreciate you listening to Life in Paradise podcast. I'd like to encourage everybody this week to go out there, do a bunch of research, see if you can find some politicians doing double talk. Always look for the other side of the coin. Always look for the other side of the story. It may go against what you hope to hear, but at least you'll know the truth. And seeking the truth is something we should embrace. Kind of like being tough. Thanks again for listening to the Life in Paradise podcast. Keep it tranquilo. In their masses, just like witches at black masses. Evil minds that plot destruction. Sorcerer of death's construction.
darkness, world stops turning As you hear the bodies burning No more war pigs have the power Crawling.